Hello and welcome to the return episode of the Unprecedented Podcast. I'm Andrew Lemos. I'm Tom Bunting. I'm amped and up. We're back. It's been We are back. That is correct, Tom. It's been two we weeks. Have returned. Yeah, it's been a couple weeks. Has anything happened while we've been gone, Tom? I've been in Europe, so I literally have no idea. Um, I've uh I've had a busy couple weeks myself as well. I haven't been in Europe, but um, I've had a lot going on. I would also like to take a moment in the spirit of that to say the views expressed on this podcast by myself and Tom are our views and our views alone and do not reflect the views of our employers slash my employer. And that's all we're going to say about that. Actually, this, right o- <laughs> this podcast is affiliated with NBC News. Anyway... All right, moving right along. Um, we want. What's to been happening? This... Yeah, what did I miss? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that's been going on. The president's under investigation. The Republicans are going to take health care away from twenty seven million people. Sounds good. Um, Steve Bannon called Sean Spicer fat, Aww. which is layered with irony. Um, there's How... been a lot going on. Did Jared save the Paris deal? Did Ivanka no, do Jared it? Jared did not save the Paris deal. Oh my gosh, we have to cover like the the rage reserves have really been tapped out the last couple months. Here. We missed a really bad couple of weeks. Like to be, yeah. I'm sorry, that was some bad timing on my part. Yeah, you picked an atrocious time to go on your <laughs> European vacation in terms of this podcast. But we're here now, and we're gonna break it all down. I it. wanted to start this week with um, healthcare because I think that's what's really important um, from a progressive perspective because they're actually on the verge of doing this. And like you can go back to our first episode and our second episode and listen to me talk shit about how the Republicans were never going to be able to pull it off. Um, but it looks like it's coming. I think that we and like everyone else just underestimated how brazen they would be in this because like regardless of how you feel about Obamacare and how you feel about the bill that they're proposing and again that would all be hypothetical because we don't know what they're proposing like the timeline on this is frankly insane. Um, They're trying to get it they're trying to get it passed before the July 4th recess and like to actually do that they need to actually like vote on this next week, pretty much, which is insane. Yeah, because we don't even know what's in the bill. Yeah, but it looks like that's the direction we're headed in. Um, I it looks like the Republicans are going to cave. You have a lot of grousing from people like John McCain and Bob Corker saying that resistance they... hero John McCain. Oh God. Yeah, resistance hero John McCain and Bob Corker complaining about the lack of transparency, but they're not going to do anything. Like, I'm, I've been tempted to do this because I want to believe that, you know, there's like a West Wing version of reality where some of the Republicans at least are good people <laughs> and honorable men and uh. statesmen, but like, statesmen are dead. Like, you don't get any more points from me for complaining about this. Tangible action only. Like... Just going, hmm, well, I'm not very happy about the process is no longer a winning piece for me. You you don't get any 
points I, for trying. I think the best part is that the way they've been able to get moderate Republicans on board is by pushing back the Medicaid cuts. Like, not getting rid of them, but just, like, pushing them back a couple of years. I mean, in theory... Yeah, no, it's it's really disingenuous and disgusting. There's no excuse. I guess, in theory, you don't know what's going to be happening, like two, three election cycles from now, and, you know, maybe Democrats will be in power and they can just pass a bill stopping the Medicaid cuts from occurring, but, like, it, it's But they're still, still voting for it, like, yeah. do we, they, they haven't even released the bill, like, the timeline currently is they're going to put it out on Thursday, the CBO score is going to be Monday, and they're going to vote at the end of the week, which is, like, insane as a timeline. That's, like, ba- I mean, it's a slight improvement over the House because the House didn't even have a CBO score, but it's still, like, ridiculous compared to how they passed the ACA or any kind of thing. And I think they're doing it out of political, like, a really sheer political calculation. Like, I, th- I think it's really craven. I think that they're passing this because they've realized that, say what you will about what happened in Georgia tonight and what happened in Montana before that, and we can get into all of that, um, and we're going to a little later on, but I think that they know that, big picture, they're still screwed with Donald Trump. Like, Trump has proven not to be a serious guy. He's not going to learn. He's not going to grow in the role. Like, this 36 37% approval rating we're, like, chilling at right now could easily be the high watermark, and I think there's a certain level of them deciding fuck it. The only way that we're going to survive the Trump presidency is by embracing like the will of the extreme conservatives and just sort of saying, "Okay, well, we, at least we got something done." I don't I think that they understand that like they can't follow Trump's lead or ride on his coattails at all. Like I think they've realized that if they want to survive this, they need some sort of tangible legislative achievement to bring back to the base. And in this case, I mean, that just happens to be gutting health care. Yeah, none of them want to be the Republican that stops Obamacare from getting repealed. Like, they've been running on this platform of, like, repealing Obamacare since it got passed. And now that it's actually being passed and they realize they don't have, there's not, like, an easy way to do that. But they're all, like, chickening out at the last minute because none of them want to be remembered as a person who kept Obamacare from being passed. Like, you totally see that in these things like pushing back the Medicare cuts. Like, all of them want to be able to say, I did this. I did this thing that I've ran on for, like, multiple cycles in some cases at this point. But, like, they want to push the actual effects of it back because they also know that a lot of the things that Obamacare actually does is, like, very popular with voters. Yeah. Yeah, that's extremely true. I mean, what do you think? And it it sort of looks like there's nothing that can be done to stop this at this point, which is disheartening, but true. What do you think of the Democrats' effort to fight it thus far? Uh, Have any thoughts, feelings? I mean, I, I, think they, I think the Democrats in the Senate... Sh- I mean, they've started, like, actually, like, delaying things, right? Like, didn't they do a whole night of speeches last night? I think stuff like that is good. There's really not a lot they can do that is, you know, not just symbolic, but, like, anything they can do, I think they should be doing. Honestly, I think they should have been delaying this weeks ago. Like, a week ago, they should have started, but, you know, they didn't want yeah, to because of the... The Russia sanctions that they had to get through. That are stalled in the House now. Yeah, whatever. Like, 
Good job, good job, guys. You really showed him, showed it to him. I'm glad that these sanctions that are basically meaningless got through, so, and an extra week of healthcare stuff happened. Good job, resistance. Yeah, my reaction is a resounding meh. Like, I mean, they're trying. I'll give them that, but it looks like this thing is happening anyway. It's Did gonna happen. See? Obamacare is go gone. I I just don't see like. If they passed the House bill the way they passed it, I don't see why the Senate would be any different at this point. Like, initially, you saw some idea that, like, maybe the Senate Republicans are going to be more principled about this, but they've just immediately caved. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think they might end up passing it with 50-plus pence. Mm -hmm. That wouldn't I mean, surprise yeah. me at all. Yeah. But do you think, how many, do you see any Republicans that are going to vote no Besides, like, Rand Paul. I think Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins are both probably out. Because and that would leave them at 50-plus pence? Like, how many can they lose? Well, uh, this is assuming Rand Paul votes for it. Oh, really? Do you think he's I going think to? I think Rand Paul will vote for it. Yeah, I think Rand Paul will vote for it, and they won't. Because Murkowski is from Maine and Alaska are both very rural states, and there is a lot of stuff going on that really like hurts rural hospitals it's just harder to deliver health care to people when people are more spread out it's not like rocket science and so you need more money and like getting health care to the rural poor is like a thing that medicaid does it just they have a lot of reasons not like to oppose like tangible state level reasons to oppose big pieces of the bill um Neither of them are particularly conservative. Murkowski fucking, I think, hates the Tea Party. She had the whole thing where she got primaried and lost and then ran as a write-in and won. Like, she, there's no... Wait, really? That's kind of rad. Yeah, she got that's primaried great. by some oh my God, fucking that's whack cool. job. I don't remember what cycle it was, but she got primaried by some nutty Tea Party Republican and she was pissed off. So she ran, not even as an independent, because it was too late, as a write-in. And she won re-election to the Senate as a write-in. Um, and That's since awesome. then, she uh. still caucuses with the Republicans, and she still is a Republican. But since then, she's like put up with significantly less shit than she did in the beginning of her career. Because she's kind of just like, like you guys were going to replace me with some like lunatic. And I had to come like clawing back here. So she's like keeping the West Wing dream alive. She's like the one. <laughs> I like Lisa Murkowski, <laughs> but yeah, I could see a couple of them bouncing. I just—it's frustrating because it feels like there's nothing the Democrats can do. Did I you mean, see? yeah, there isn't. Like, what can they do? They don't have the votes. Um, Did you see I Cory Booker and Chris Murphy and Brian Schatz Facebook Live video? I mean, yeah, like, that's a car of people who want to be president someday real bad. Like, it's cute, but, like, <laughs> what's that going to do? What's that going to do? It's a car of people. I don't know. Like, like, on some level, I get I get that. Like, I'm glad they're fighting, but on another level, like, it just feels like you're trying desperately to gain, gain points and politicize this thing that is going to happen and is just going to, like, kill a lot of people. Yeah, that's really what it boils down to. And, like, I don't know, maybe on some level, like, that's all you can do. Get the points you can out of this horrible thing, because we're, we're living through it. I don't know. It's really hard to, like, I just, 
the thing that frustrates me most about this from Republicans is that they're not even trying to come up with an argument for this. Like they don't even have with they don't even have like any kind of argument for why this should exist beyond we need to get rid of Obamacare. Like if they had any kind of benefits that this would propose, like that would just I don't know. It's just so tough to like see this as anything other than a bad thing because they aren't even trying. The strategy is hiding. Which is like, it's insane. Uh, it's insane that they're doing this. It's insane that it can happen. I mean, there are no rules anymore in politics. I'm not even saying that as like an angry, like progressive who still can't like cope with a Trump presidency. Just like, he's proved that. Like, think of all the shit that he's done that would have been the biggest scandal of another president's presidency. Congratulating the president of the Philippines on the extrajudicial killings taking place in that country would have been the biggest scandal of, like, a term. Imagine if Obama just did that, and his first, like, six months in office, he just congratulated, like, a dictator on killing a bunch of people through a drug war. Like... Jesus, man. Right. At the very least, it would have been, like, scandal. We just... They burn out, like, dying stars, and there's just always another one. And, so, like... And I feel like on some level, like, the Democrats are still acting like this is a rational presidency and a rational party that, like, operates within the laws we have. We'll talk about this more in Asif, I guess, but it just feels like they're expecting everyone to turn around and be like, wait, this is insane, but they aren't because, like, this is what a lot of people want. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, let's do let's do uh, last-minute predictions, I guess. Do you think it's going to pass? Yeah. I think yeah. it passes 50 plus one. I think they lose two of the moderates. Uh, all the Democrats stay united in saying that this is a bad, bad idea. I think they conference. I think Trump signs it. Um, and then I think people get sick. And people have a harder time paying for their health insurance than they would have otherwise. And it hurts families across the country. And I don't just think that as like a bleeding heart liberal. Like the AARP, the American Medical Association, the like every major lobby, every major group involving healthcare professionals, hospitals, doctors, nurses, <laughs> the sick and the elderly thinks this is an atrocious idea. So And they let's aren't even steer into the skid. They aren't politics. even going to know it. Like every single person who lived in like the Rust Belt who voted for Trump because like they thought Obamacare was somehow ruining their lives but actually depend on Medicare. Like they aren't even going to know what this does for them until after they vote their Republicans back in office in 2020 and 2018 because they have it set up so like the Medicare expansions don't even go back until after that. It's just it's just so nakedly manipulative and so nakedly awful. And I do still think that there will be some political consequences for this. Once you vote for this, we will get into Georgia. We keep saying that, and we should get into that pretty soon. But, like, this bill, I was, I saw a poll. I was reading some, I think it was Ralston stuff out of Nevada. It has, like, a 36 or 7% approval rating, this piece of legislation that Dean Heller, the senator from Nevada, is voting for. Like, 
that could cost you a Senate seat. I'm sorry. There there will be... It's not a popular piece of legislation. They've made the calculation that, like, giving something to the base is better than the alternative, which is just following this, like, addled old man into the midterm campaign. But I, I there could still be consequences. We'll see, I guess. Let's, let's move on, I guess. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the Mueller investigation... How's that been going? How'd that Comey hearing go? I didn't watch that. I was working, so I missed the bulk of it, too. Um, John McCain was senile and, like, caused some concern. Yeah, John I McCain. I remember that being a highlight. Um, James Comey didn't confirm the president was under investigation but then it got leaked to the washington post that the president was under investigation for obstruction of justice then the president tweeted that he was under investigation (laughs) for instruction of justice i then his the the remaining gremlins that are still willing to go on tv and spin for him just sort of shouted no and then scampered away from the camera do you ever think about, like, how history books are going to have to... There's going to be, like, a U.S. history textbook that high schoolers in, like, 2025 read that, like, just has a Trump tweet, like, screenshotted as, like, one of the images. Well, like, I'd actually never thought of that before, yeah. but that is fucking wild. It's gonna be... It's This is gonna be a fun time to look back on. Tom, did you talk to anybody in Europe about the investigation and everything that's going on? Like, did you uh, ever have that conversation with a European person? So, so what did they say? So I I, I watched I, I I didn't watch the hearing, but I like listened to a fair amount of I I read Twitter during it a fair amount in like a Starbucks in Barcelona, and like from what I can tell, it was a pretty big event in America. Like I saw like tweets of people like having Comey watch parties, which I think is like dumb but like we can talk about that later and like it just seemed like a big event in a way that like it was a thing in dc specifically exactly yeah and like the urban areas went out to lunch and had like mimosas and watched the areas that this has been a real tough couple of months for like really rallied behind this it felt like um and no one in europe seemed to like know or care about it like a lot of people i talked to in like hostels and stuff had very strong opinions on trump that they like would tell me about in a lot of detail but like no one seemed to really (laughs) understand the significance of this hearing or like even really get what it meant um yeah so not really not as much as i was expecting um Hmm. which was kind of nice you know like it was kind of nice just reading twitter and having all these people be like this is it this is the end of everything and then just like turn it off and be in barcelona that was pretty cool yeah, I'd imagine being in Barcelona would be pretty cool. I'm not bitter at all. <laughs> Moving along. Um, that Yeah, it was a big deal here. I mean, Comey didn't really tell us anything we didn't know. There was no smoking gun, but the drip, drip, drip continues. Like, at this point, the attorney general is under investigation. The president's under investigation, obviously. The senior advisor, who is the president's son-in-law, is under investigation. Um... Former campaign manager Paul Manafort is under investigation. Former campaign aide and Trump associate Carter Page is under investigation. Former national security advisor Mike Flynn is under investigation. Do you know what's so awesome? If Trump never fired Corey Lewandowski, like, probably very little of this would have happened. That's true. 
because if Trump never fired Corey Lewandowski, then maybe he wouldn't have won the primary. I mean, Manafort wouldn't have gotten in the picture. It feels like Manafort was, like, the arbiter for a lot of this stuff. Um, Yeah. Which is... That's a great thing for Lewandowski to know every day. I feel like that's fun. Lewandowski's going to make an appearance in this White House in some form. Oh, he is. I'm I'm so excited for the the guy to come back, the boy to return home. In the meantime, Mueller just keeps, like, adding these, like, high-priced, like, lawyers and, like, experts. They added an expert in witness flipping the other day, which seems (laughs) significant. I saw that. That's a wrap. Can Trump turn against Jared is my question. No, Jared's going to turn against Trump. Mark my words. As soon as I read that headline, the first thing that popped into my head was like, oh, that's for Jared. That's specifically for Jared. They're not going to turn little Weasley, Carter Page, or bloated Paul Manafort, or like racist elf Jeff Sessions. None of them are going to talk. Who do you think is offered already? I bet Flynn and Jared have like competing offers right now to flip. I read something the other day, or I think today, I don't remember who, oh, it was Sheldon Whitehouse, my senator actually, who said on TV something he probably shouldn't have, but it was something along the lines, it was like a throwaway quote that a website to read flag is like, what is this? Where he basically said like, I'm beginning to think that Mike Flynn has been like actively working with investigators (laughs) for months now and already flipped. Ah, how dumb would it be if, like, the entire if Trump as the president was taken down by Michael Flynn, the dumbest general to ever serve in United States history? Like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, like I wouldn't be surprised if Michael Flynn was already actively just like, like the reason that we were progressing as much as we were was because Flynn was giving them everything already i'm sure there's still time for jared to flip though it's just i i don't think that like there is any grand conspiracy here i think like most likely like plan and jared got the taste of power and immediately it just went to their head and they were like oh we can we can work with the russians directly we can solve everything by ourselves and like the russians were just like yeah sure dumbass come over here I think there was probably money going back and forth. I mean, I yeah. think it was probably vague. Like, I don't think the Russians were like, give us the nuclear launch code. I think it was more just like, you know, let us, we want access and we'll send you money for access. But I, do, I, I, think, I, I don't think it was like ever malicious on the part of Trump's campaign. I think they were just idiots and like didn't understand what they were doing. I think it was greed. I think they got paid to do illegal things and they didn't care about it because they're either vaguely sociopathic or incredibly arrogant or both or they didn't think they'd ever win and it would ever matter and they just wanted money or a combination of all those things i just listed i i I think that they took money i want to ask about like the actual political implications of this in like a second but before we do that i just want to like make another uh prediction uh p-tape yes or no I could have put, like, a year's salary on the fact that you were about to mention the P-tape. I could feel it. It's, like, the only um, thing I care about, you know, like... I know. Maybe in life. Um, Some days it feels like it. <laughs> yes or no? Put it down. I'm gonna say yes, 
Um, yeah, there's a. I wouldn't be surprised. I think like fifty fifty, we see it at some point. That's how WikiLeaks could redeem itself. WikiLeaks is clearly part of the problem here. WikiLeaks anyway, God, Oliver Stone. But yeah, no, I think I think it exists. I mean, Comey's non-answer was pretty. I don't think that got enough coverage when he was asked when he was testifying. Have has you know the FBI been able to verify parts of the intelligence dossier that included the P tape, but they just asked, you know, the intelligence dossier. And he, he said, like, we can't talk about that in, like, an open hearing. He didn't fucking yeah. say no. Hell he yeah. He said, we can't talk about it in an open session. How? Like, are you... Listen, we're... That's not we're, a no. We're coming off the healthcare segment, which is just, like, legitimately depressing, but, like, can we just pause for a second and, like, acknowledge the fact that the C- CIA director is, like, not openly denying that there's a tape of our president watching two Russian prostitutes pee on each other. Like, how insane is that? That's even a question he's asked. Just two. And a question that he doesn't immediately say no to. Yeah. I... I I don't understand. Trying to, like, trace back how we got here from where we were gives me, like, a legitimate headache. But, like, just to get... Just to get back to it, though, like, it's it's fun to, like, speculate on all of this stuff, and it's, like, fun to watch the Comey hearings, but, like, would Pence be any better than Trump, like, if this goes completely sideways for them? Like, I, I, just, a- I just see so many Democrats on, like, on, like, talk shows and, like, Twitter and, like, even, like... I feel like a lot of Democrat lawmakers are, like, assuming that the shoe's going to drop and Trump's going to be gone. But, like, where does that get us? We still have a Republican Congress. We still have Pence in office. Like, this isn't going to be the get-out-of-jail-free card they seem to think it is. Yeah. I... Let me put it this way. I agree with what a lot of political pundits and even some progressives have said, and that's that, like... Trump is different, and Trump is scary. Pence, in a lot of ways, would probably be worse for, like, the day-to-day lives of people in this country, because I think he'd be more effective at passing policy that I view as negative. But I think Trump is bad for this country, Mm -hmm. and bad for our civil discourse, and bad for our society in a way that Pence never could. Pence, I think, would be humbled by the office of the presidency, I think that's really what it boils down to. You can be narcissistic and you can think that, like, you're the only person who's, like, qualified to do it. All presidents are narcissists, I think. But, like, you have to be humbled to a certain degree by, like, what's happening. And I really believe that every president up till Trump was, like, humbled by the office and, like, respected the office and respected the decorum. And, like, yes, it's corny. And, no, the West Wing isn't real. But, like, we can't have the level of just flippant disregard for tradition and for the rules that we have with Trump. I think it's bad for America, and I think it's dangerous. But haven't we—doesn't Trump's, like, rise in his term as president, like, even if it gets cut off, establish that that office doesn't mean anything? Like, what does it mean? What—what—he's, like, destroyed any kind of, like, prestige the office has, like— just the fact he managed to get this far, I just, I don't know. I don't, and, like, at the end of the day, like, Pence's president would 
I mean, the things Pence, the things Paul Ryan is trying to do would just be done more effectively under Pence. And like, wouldn't that be a greater negative? Yeah. Did you read the story about Angry Pence? I did not. What was that? The political one? Yeah. Well, it was just like a quote about how um, it was when they were trying to rally the Freedom Caucus around passing health care the first time. It ended up not working because Ryan had hemorrhaged too many moderates. This was before it collapsed. That oh, wait. Yeah. 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 But like Pence flipped out and like shouted at them and was like, I was the Freedom Caucus before there was a Freedom Caucus. And then a bunch and of they started crying. crying. Yeah. Yeah, for for the tough for the tough anti social justice warrior crowd, they cry a lot. They need a safe space, saying. you know. Like they just need a little a, a little space to go back to. <laughs> like I know a lot of liberals who cry a lot less than members of the Freedom Caucus. The Freedom but Caucus. The Freedom Caucus is its little own college campus. <laughs> so, do you think that Pence would be, like? Would you rather have Trump as president still than Pence? I feel like we've I feel like we've talked about this before and I've always been like, well, you know, Trump is like Trump's in, Trump is unhinged in a way in a way that uh that Pence isn't, but at least his star burns out brighter. Like we've talked about this when we talk about like is it more effective to have Bannon calling the shots than Jared Kushner and like on some level, I would worry less under Pence presidency because he has a stability to him that I, I don't think Trump has at the end of the day. But I also think that long term, the effects that Trump, that Pence would create as president would potentially last longer than Trump. You know? Yeah, that's definitely true. What do you think? That- do you think that like a Trump presidency is worse than a Pence presidency? Yes, for the reasons I just outlined. I think we need to get him the fuck out of there, and it's as simple as that. I think that what he does to the country is dangerous. Um, So let's move on to the news of tonight, the Georgia 6th. It's, It's all happening on Twitter. We apologize if that was, like, a very short wrap-up of the Mueller investigation and where things stand, but it was a packed couple weeks, and I'm it's assuming been a you lot. guys know what happened. Yeah, I feel like we don't need to talk about the Comey stuff anymore. You've you, There are other po- political podcasts where you can do that. <laughs> like the, the other unprecedented that features a bald man. The bald man next to the up. American flag. He has some things to say about Comey. I'm sure he does. Um, we should do an episode yeah. where we just listen to that podcast and just, like, talk about it. Yeah, I have ideas. That's that's a great suggestion, though. Hell yeah. Legitimately. <laughs> <laughs> um, Asif, how'd so, our boy do? How'd the, how'd the, how'd the sad boy do? Lost. We lost. Ah, well, we fuck. lost. I wanted so badly <laughs> to take a victory lap after my initial podcast rant. About the political you... hot take media and all the bullshit about how Asif couldn't win in a head to head, and then he lost. He got speaking like 40 of men crying. Yeah, he he 
it seems like again the polls were off a little bit he seems to have underperformed in uh early voting and mail vote in mail-in voting um they expected i mean it seemed like polls had tightened a little bit at the end but like not not this much like this is a pretty decisive victory for Handel. yeah it's really pretty devastating and when you think about it on some level like obviously this is expected like if you just look at the way this county has gone in the past like it's very solidly republican i think you can probably speak to this more than me but like historically how much did they go for trump by how much did trump win by trump only won by a point <laughs> oh no wait austin Handle did better in uh but Handle did better than Trump did then. Fuck. Yeah, but Tom Price oh, also God, won by twenty what? points. Ah, what fuck. Jesus. Did you, I'm surprised you didn't know that. That's actually That just hilarious. connected shit. Wow. Yeah. Oh my god, they just ate shit on this. Wow. Yeah, I mean like, mm. after the Rob Quist losing in Montana, I was actually very defensive. I don't think we had a podcast after that loss, really. Um, we might have had an episode that we didn't end up posting because, you know, the sky was falling and we spent 40 minutes talking about Comey stuff that was no longer relevant. But, um, yeah, I, I was defensive about, like, the Montana race, and my point was basically, like, it's friggin' Montana. Like, what do you want? Like, the Democrats not going to win in Montana. And I set the Georgia 6 as a benchmark and said it'll be a huge disappointment. It'll be a huge setback if they lose uh, for Democrats. That would be a devastating blow. And they lost. Mm. They lost. Asif had the money. He had, you know, a canvas office on every goddamn corner. And they lost they because spent it's a Republican district. And, like... Yes, it's a Republican Tens district. of millions of dollars just completely down the drain on this. Yeah, also, can we get some campaign finance reform? No house race should be this fucking expensive. It's just disgusting. I mean, like... Can we just stop? How many races did they neglect because they said... How many races did the DNC and the DCCC uh, neglect because they thought that this was going to be their win? It's I mean, just... could have put more money into Kansas, I guess. I don't think you were winning Montana. You should have put more money into Kansas, actually, because you had a good candidate there. I, it's it's actually really deflating. It put me in, like, a terrible, somber mood for our, like, return podcast here because, I mean, it's just embarrassing. It is. They've learned nothing. They've just... Uh, what was Asif's campaign message? Like, what what did he run on? I'm a polite young man, and I'd like to be your congressman. No, he ran on, I hate Trump. Honestly, he didn't even hit Trump that hard, though. He did, though, yeah. Thing. Well, I mean, he ran on, I'm not Trump, but, like, he's being criticized tonight, too, for not going, like, harder negative on Handel and tying her more to Trump. He was just, like, very bland and, like, milky. He was a Democrat. <laughs> he was a, he, re, he was Clinton again. He was Clinton again. Like, that's what he was. He... Yeah, that's he what stood he on his stage and like called single player unrealistic. He had no actual like actual policies that he put forth on the campaign besides like vague gesturing towards like principles and science and restoring dignity to Washington and fixing Washington. Like he did nothing. He had no like message. Mm -hmm. 
Although, are you going to tell me that, like, you think Ossif would have won this race if he had been in favor of single-payer? No. I, no. I'm. It's just, like, it's it's running on a policy. It's running on an actual policy platform. Like, he didn't do that. No, that's true. The Democrats are just out of like, ideas. I, I, I was ready, like, if he won to to defend like his 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 not his like non-committalness on like single payer because like you know you have to do what you have to to win a seat in where he was running but like uh, at the same time like you can't win on nothing like you have to actually like campaign on something Mm -hmm. i mean the reason that this race kills me is because like no this isn't like a democratic district but like where the fuck are the democratic districts like those places that we lost in michigan and ohio like those rust belt districts aren't coming back if you want the house back it's through the sun belt it's through suburban tucson and suburban salt lake city and suburban houston and suburban dallas and suburban atlanta and suburban Orlando and suburban Tampa it's through it's every single seat in Miami-Dade County turning blue it's through that part of the country so yes it's a Republican district but it's a Republican district when uh the majority of house districts are Republican districts this is when you have to flip it's well educated it's increasingly diverse it's a suburb of a major metropolitan area so you know it's it's not rural. They don't like Trump. Like this is there's no excuse to lose here. Demographically, this is like this is what the Democrats need to hit on if they have a chance in hell. Because there are just places that aren't coming back. And I'm not saying we should give up on them because you can win some of them back, but like to a certain point the damage has been done. If you look at a congressional map from two thousand four versus now, the like the number of seats lost is staggering. In places like Wisconsin, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Michigan. Like, it's just some of those seats aren't coming back, and you better make them up somewhere else. Like here, but you're you not want to be in the majority again. You're never going to... Like, can this just be the death knell of, like, running against Trump and having that be it? Like, at some point, like, the Democrats need an actual agenda. They need, like, things they can give voters to, like, vote for them. I just... It's just... Yeah. They're never going to win 2018. They're never going to take the House back in 2018 and, like, with this as their platform. No. And, and like, maybe, mean, it's, maybe it's a good thing Asif lost because they can realize that now, I guess. Like, Yeah, I think this is a wake-up call. Seth Moulton was going off on Twitter. I mean, oh, really? He's just, yeah, he's another person who wants to run for president, but, like, he tweeted, like, Basically, the opposite of, like, it wasn't, like, a good job, we gained voters, we came closer. He was like, this is a real wake-up call for Democrats. Like, we need to understand that we can't run on nothing and win elections. We need to come together and, like, form some sort of policy vision that, like, reaches everyone and, like, isn't afraid to be, like, bold. I mean, it was, like, politicians speak, but his point was just, like, like, it wasn't, like, buying into the DCC see spin of like oh you know this was fine <laughs> yeah i Close mean one, that's gang. that <laughs> i mean this is like on some level yes they did better than 
they w- they predicted, but like this is this is the same as it would have been. This is like the same margins basically that Trump won by. This means there's no no progress. Like there there's been nothing. And look, I mean, between the courts throwing out super racist redistricting laws in Texas and North Carolina, and the general just sort of anti-Trump sentiment. And then you are going to have moderates who don't like the idea of running in the fr- like the woman who just retired in um, Miami, who was a like moderate Republican congresswoman, and now she's not running again because she wasn't crazy about the idea of the first competitive race of her career. Like, you are going to pick up some seats in 2018. That's inevitable for Democrats. But, like, 12 seats doesn't cut it. 12 seats doesn't stop the Trump legislative agenda. 12 seats doesn't flip control of committees so we can investigate the president for the crimes he might be committing or the rampant corruption taking place in D.C. Like, 12 seats is swell if Barack Obama's president. Like, oh, we're a little bit closer to getting back a new Speaker of the House, but, like, you can't lose races like this if you want the House majority, in my opinion. The the math just isn't there, which is why... This this really I took mean, the wind out of my sails. These tonight. are these are the districts they need to win to take it back, right? They need to take back district. They need to take districts that marginally went for Trump to do, yeah. to do this. Like this is how you get the house back in twenty eighteen, and you can't. It just makes no sense. Like if their only idea is running against Trump, how are they going to win districts that went for Trump? It's the same logic that Clinton lost by. Like at the end of the day, Republicans are going to vote for Republicans. I just. Mm. Yeah, I mean Trump's approval with Republicans is, you see, it it just doesn't matter. They'll vote. Honestly, I think Democrats have a better chance. If you want to stop Trump, I think they'll beat him in twenty twenty. But like, I sort of think, or it tonight, and this is, this is maybe an emotional reaction to what just happened. But like tonight, almost makes me feel like we're not gonna have any check on unified Republican control of government until 2020 when <laughs> the Democrats win the White House back. You sound and really bummed out. You sound defeated. Yeah, I mean, I have personally long held the Georgia 6 as like a this is where we're going to get them back. And just the victory lap is just emotionally oh, yeah. exhausted. Kellyanne Conway <laughs> tweeting, laughing my hashtag Ossif. Uh, every time Bill Mitchell's right about something, I just get so bummed out. Yeah, no, you're right. I am. This this is. I am not being the perky John Favreau <laughs> podcast host tonight. No, I like it. It's... I like because I've I accepted this today. At some point, I was just like, he's probably gonna lose today. Like. This feels like how this is going. So I've I've made peace with this. Um, it seems like you're going through it right now. Well, it was also just very sudden for me. Like, I wasn't following the results live. Mm. I was out attempting to, like, have a life. Uh, and then I was on the that train. That was the first home. mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I was just refreshing Twitter. Um, I knew immediately that things were going way sideways. Yeah, I was just on the train and it just came out it came out of nowhere. I was like starting to look at results and then I just like scrolled up my timeline and it was just like CNN calls the race for Karen Handel. And I was just like, "Oh shit, okay, it's over." But I mean, regardless, it's a it's a bummer. 
here it's, okay do you i mean do you want like some optimism here that i i'm coming up with sure hit me with some optimism at least this happened now and not and we aren't like coming to this realization on election day in 2018 like at least hopefully they can get this out of their system now and like realize that things have to actually change substantively to win again and like mm -hmm. that's the democrats like still have a lot of infighting to go through i think yeah someone tweeted something or that reminded me of something that is true and made me feel slightly better. There was a Democrat that who was a, a congressman from, like, a Rust Belt, Pennsylvania district who died suddenly in, like, 2000, I want to say, 9. And mm -hmm. the Republicans ran like hell in that special election. And, like, there was a lot of talk, like, oh, it's a traditionally Democratic district, but, like, it's been trending Republican. They don't like what Obama's been doing in his first, like blah 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 12 months in office or whatever it is like the republicans might pick it up and the democrats won that special and then proceeded to lose 63 seats in the midterm sounds like democrats so. <laughs> win one lose 60 it's hell of a batting average i think they actually lost that district again <laughs> like after winning it in the special they lost it in the midterm. hell yeah hashtag resistance wrong. But, yeah, uh, the the party just doesn't have leaders either. Like, I really, I'm done. I agree with Bernie's policies. Yeah. But, like, Bernie needs to go away, too. What? Wait, what? Ber Bernie, the idea, like, Bernie as an idea can stay, but I've had about enough oh. of Bernie as a politician. Wait, why? Let me give you an example. Because he's not... He's the most popular this, politician this in America. What? He's the most popular politician in America right now. Yeah, I'm just frustrated because I still also feel like he's a little disingenuous. Let me give it. A, it was a political reporter tweeting: Bernie Sanders is on stage talking about how like he tells candidates not to use political consultants. His political consultant is sitting in the second row with a notepad. Yeah, that's not great. I don't know. All politicians are bad. Right, that's my point. <laughs> I, I would like to see a fresh face. Bernie Sanders I think is that, right on with the ideas. Like, yes, I let, think, fuck, yeah, fuck it. it. Let's have everyone in every state run on single payer. But yeah. like, let's get someone who's yeah. not 155 and a oh. five-term senator out yeah, there talking that's... about it. Someone who's a little less tainted by the Washington bubble, maybe. I think Bernie is the cleansing fire that the, Repu the Democrats need for now. But yeah, I don't think he has like some bright future in the party. Um, no, I mean, it's crazy because if he was 10 years younger, then he would be like oh, yeah, I'd, the presumptive I'd, nominee. I'd be out there with those yard signs right now. Let's go. Um, but yeah, he's too yeah. old. Um and it's, like, not something that, like, hardcore Bernie people can admit. I saw a Twitter fight where someone was like, why why won't Bernie, like, why is he still not being taken seriously as a contender for 2020? It's like, because he's going to be, like, 78 or 9 on election day. I think that, I think it's interesting the way that people react so viscerally to him. Because I think in a lot of ways it's people reacting very viscerally to the idea of the of the Democratic Party, like, moving left and, like, casting off Clintonism, finally. Like, I think people have strong feelings against that ingrained in them in a lot of weird ways. 
Yeah, that's probably true. I think I, mean, I think to take it back to Asif, I think like this is the final like reminder that like they need to do that if they want to win. Like I don't know, even go march for right. I don't know, just like have a have something, have a thing you believe in. Ever been our president is not great. Yeah, although it's weird because Bernie candidates lose too. Like his because, mayor of Oma. Because they don't have like support behind them. Like they don't have. Yeah, I mean. How much there money? There are a did... lot of different divides, though, because it's not just like, it's not just always progressive versus establishment. Sometimes yeah. it's state versus federal. Like the Virginia primary race I was just about for to say, yeah. governor, yeah, is a great example where like Tom Periello was like progressive, but the more progressive of the two candidates. But Tom Periello also had like really broad-based national support like he was a congressman who was just like yeah if i vote yeah. for obamacare i'm gonna lose but i'm gonna do it because it's the right thing to do and like he had obama people like shilling for him it wasn't like you know bernie sanders and whatever that actress who tweeted the picture of the flower was running around pushing for him against all odds like i mean it's that was a situation where the state party liked someone better than this guy who was more progressive that the national party dropped in it's it's hard to compare a primary to like a general though like it's i don't know it's i think i mean because what was the what was the ever primary today what was the i mean the ever election today where the democrat outperformed because it was like a random house race in south carolina mm-hmm. and the democrat actually finished surprisingly close yeah like and didn't and he did that without like the 30 million dollars in support and like the every democrat like stumping for him like you know what this may have also come down to what is Ossif fatigue yeah i mean I, i'd buy that to a certain extent I think Just people being fucking sick of him. He's 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 a special boy though. His residency thing was also kind of an issue. That was kind of a bummer. I mean, that's kind of bullshit, but like also it 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 comes down to authenticity, I guess, and like having that happen, like having it come out that you technically don't live in this district like does probably seem a little inauthentic to people who you're trying to win. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, they're a bunch of Republicans, so that doesn't help. Yeah. The bottom line here, before we move on, and this actually kind of segues nicely because we have a very special um, version of primary colors tonight, but the bottom line here is that uh, the Democratic Party is not in the best shape it's ever been in. We have a lot of time before the midterms to figure it out, but there's some healing to do still, and this was a setback. Yep. Anyway, moving on to primary colors. We have a very special edition of primary colors tonight. It's basically um, just a continuation, you know. Of this conversation. Um, as opposed to talking about primary Nancy Pelosi, which is ridiculous because she's a very progressive member of the House and that's yeah. a long conversation. Should Nancy Pelosi be primaried as the leader of the Democrats in the House? It's not really a primary, but you get our point. I mean, it speaks, I mean, some of the exit polls out of it. I mean, one of the most, the biggest, like, message that Handel used against Asif was that he was a Nancy Pelosi puppet, basically. And, like, a lot of the exit polls seem to be showing that Pelosi has higher negatives than Trump does. Yeah, I'd buy that. It, 
I, I don't know. We'll talk about how you feel, I guess. But I think on some level, she's become like, in a really unfair way in some ways, because she has a pretty progressive history, has become like a symbol of the Democratic establishment that voters have just rejected at every turn in the past couple of months. I don't know. Do you feel differently? I don't think she's a sim. Establishment is the wrong go- word for it because establishment implies third way neoliberal new dem clintonism bullshit and that's really not what she's about at all at all Nancy Pelosi is incredibly progressive but Nancy Pelosi is also a face that people can't get behind at this point I think I think that she's become so effectively demonized and her personal brand has been so destroyed and she's, like, just not good enough of a communicator to, like, rebuild it in any tangible way that she's going to be a liability. I mean, she fundraises a ton of money from everything that I've read and heard. She's a ruthlessly effective speaker. Like, just an incredibly, incredibly good... Or minority leader, not just speaker. But she's, like, incredibly good at, like, keeping everyone on board and, like, knowing where everyone is, counting votes, making sure she has enough votes to do what she needs to do. So, like, in terms of the actual job, she's probably very good at it. Like, all the tangible things you'd want in, like, a minority leader, she has all those skills. And she's probably among the most qualified people in the caucus, just in terms of skill set. But I just think politically she's... A really big liability should they just say fuck it then and like just keep going with her if she's like effective at her job which i think we both agree she is like should the democrats just try and power through this or like at what point does it become too obvious that she's a liability i mean i think we're there we're there like i used tim ryan who wanted to be minority leader as a good example and it's not because he's run the rust belt it's not because he's he knows you know, that economic anxiety. He does know the anxiety. <laughs> it's not because he's got, like, the white working class background. For me, what it really boils down to is very simply that he looks harmless. Like, there isn't any <laughs> oh, negative... Like, seriously, Nancy Pelosi... You say Nancy Pelosi, and it's like a boogeyman. People run and hide. People are freaked out by the idea of her... I don't, I didn't even really follow politics when it happened, but she took power. She was the first female speaker in U.S. history after the elections in 2006, and whatever happened, I don't know if she gave bad press or if the Republicans and Fox just destroyed her, you know, the conservative media machine. I don't know what happened, but, like, the average American has very little guard or very little regard for Nancy Pelosi. They think of her as partisan. They don't think of her as serious. They don't think of her as genuine. And that's going to hurt in elections like the Georgia 6 if the opposition campaign can, like, effectively tie the candidate to Pelosi. Tim Ryan is just, like, a dad from Ohio. She currently has a 48% unfavorable rating and a 28% favorable, according to Huffington Post. Yeah, you can get someone whose negatives are... I mean, even if they're still going to be underwater, because <laughs> like, they're in... It, it sucks on some level that, like... Sh- because it seems like, you know, I'm I'm the first one to get out here and be like, fuck the Democrats, they don't understand what they need to do, but, like, 
I don't know. She's she said some some dumb things about healthcare in the past couple of weeks, but she she hasn't done anything that offensive. It just I don't know. It sucks. At some point, I think that the Democrats have taken on a lot of baggage in the past couple of months, and like the only way you can really get through it is just like a clean break. Yeah, and like that shouldn't any... that shouldn't be a reason to get rid of someone as talented as she is, but like. You gotta, you gotta win at some point. Yeah, I think also just at a certain point, it's just time to hand it off to the next generation of leaders in the party. It's good for a party to have fresh faces. It really is. Seeing the same people over and over again get stale. It feeds into people's worst conceptions about Washington. Like, Nancy Pelosi's old. Even if she doesn't want to resign her house seat, like, Keep fighting for your constituents. Keep fundraising. Do something. But, like, say it's someone else's turn. The Democratic House leadership is Nancy Pelosi, who's old. Steny Hoyer, who's old. I was just about James to quiz Clark. you on that. Can you name the 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 House Minority Whip? Because <laughs> I couldn't, probably, until today. Yeah, Steny Hoyer. He's also very old. And then number three is James Clyburn who at least is a person of color, so that's points for not just being an old white man, I guess. No, I mean, like, that's, like... The, that's the future, probably. <laughs> like, that, you know, like, I think it should be someone who's new, someone who's more diverse than we've seen in the past in terms of, like, Democratic Party leadership right, in the House. Right, even James Clyburn has been around. He's, like, a 15-term congressman. Oh, I'm, I'm not like... saying it should be Clyburn, just, like, someone... Yeah, it should be someone someone else we like just across the board i think it, we would be well served as a party to move on to fresher faces and like look at the most success the most popular faces in the party right now excluding elizabeth warren and not counting bernie because he's not in the party technically chris murphy huge following very popular yep. even though we're not particularly big fans on this podcast cory booker Huge following, very Cory Booker has fans. I'll admit that he has fans. I think he's useful. As Ka- a Kamala figure. Harris. Yeah. Yeah. Kamala Harris, very popular. Like, are you noticing a trend here? They're all young. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yes. Exactly. Like, like Diane Feinstein is going to be ninety, and she's running for another term in the Senate. Like, we appreciate your service. But maybe it's time to, you know, in deep blue California, step aside and let another younger face with maybe different ideas and a different perspective on the world than yours rise to national prominence as a fucking senator from California. Just a thought. And it doesn't have to mean, like, she's a... It doesn't have to... I. It doesn't have to mean she's failed. Like, it's... Pelosi has done a lot for the party and like she was a very effective she's been very effective in her position for a long time um yeah it just it just I think tonight's results which we're both still a little you know bummed out about have shown like there's a the party has a problem like they haven't you can't win just by mobilizing the base you have to like reach out to new people and like it sucks, but a lot of those people have very established preconceived notions about the the leadership of the party, and you can try to change that, but I feel like it's just much easier to accept that, like, you have to 
you have to change you have to like clear house a little bit yeah yeah i completely agree with you i what it really boils down to for me is the the problem with nancy pelosi is the problem with the rest of the democratic party it's what you just outlined really articulately it's nothing against her it's no strike against her or his her effectiveness or her progressive values it's just time for new leadership across the board and that means i think moving on and like i've gone back and forth on this personally because like she is a fighter and she is effective she's not a pushover and there are a lot of roles in which she excels but I think moving on, I think, like you said, tonight's race proves that moving on is probably for the best. Yep. Speaking of moving on. <laughs> Segway. Quick hits. Time to hit our quick hit segment for the night. Oh, man, this uh, has been a I, long podcast. Yes, it has. We got a lot of uh, pent up talking. Yeah, yeah, we had a lot of ground to cover. I mean, it's not that bad. Quick hits is pretty short this week. Uh, quick hits. Eric Holder m- might run for president. It's interesting. Okay. I don't know. I kind of could... don't hate it. Yeah, sure. Do it. I don't know. <laughs> I like that he's not currently, you know, it's a little bit unknown. He has a background. Sure. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't hate it. Well, well said. Quick hits. Quick hits. Um, looming debt ceiling crisis. Can't forget about that. It's going to be a fucking disaster. Stay tuned, everybody. That's a July problem. <laughs> God, he's not going to rest until he destroys any sense of normalcy in this country. Quick hits. Quick hits. Um, Tom. Yes. Would you interview Alex Jones? Yes. Would you? If, if, hang on. Let me let me run you through a hypothetical here. If if uh if Alex Jones followed me on Twitter, um, responded to the tweets I sent to him, and was like, Andrew, Tom, I love your podcast. I am your one and only fan. You, can I <laughs> can I come on your podcast? And I was like, yes. And you were like, what? What would you say? Um. It's occurring to me, it didn't click for me while we were writing this outline, but it's occurring to me that I probably shouldn't touch this one. Uh, I didn't really oh. <laughs> Wait, yeah, fuck. I guess, uh, I, I, hmm, I guess your employer has some feelings about interviewing Alex Jones. I think it's fine. Have you met Megan Quick yet? <laughs> what did you just ask me? Have you met Megan yet? Not quite. Um, quick hits. <laughs> What's the today uh, show like? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I have stories for you later. Um, all right. Quick reactions to what we missed. British election. You have yes. had such like a <laughs> British election boner for like weeks. Talk about it. Go ahead. I mean, React. Listen, I'm gonna, I'm a, it feels a little hypocritical for me to, like, be excited about Corbyn winning by losing, and then also chastising Asif for, uh, losing, but doing better than expected, but, like, I don't know, Corbyn, 
obviously you can't compare the United States and Britain that much, but how well Corbyn did in the recent election versus like what he was expected to do and having the entire press against him, it really like it it feels like a vindication for what I want the Democrats to become. Like the fact that he he picked up as much him and the Labour Party picked up as much ground as they did. Um with everything against them and did so like completely it seems like on the strength of like an incompetent opposition that that operates similarly to how like trump currently is and like by having a very strong like very concretely and unabashedly progressive agenda that they weren't afraid to talk about like that that's exciting the fact that this this thing that i've been like feeling since clinton lost and like i've been trying to talk about since clinton lost like has actually been vindicated in an actual election it just feels it feels like this is a template that the democrats should really focus on and actually like pay attention to because i think like at the end of the day like progressive like progressive policies are popular and if you just like say them and like campaign on them and aren't afraid to like talk about what you want to do and how it could like you know raise taxes but you would get very concrete and obvious benefits out of it people are going to come to you and it just feels like what corbin managed to do in the election is like some tiny vindication of that and it, it's exciting in a way that like politics haven't been in the past couple of months yeah I'm I'm totally down. I I hear you completely. That makes sense. It's, I mean, and it's crazy because Corbin is also a controversial figure and yeah, an unlikable that's, figure. Yeah, Corbin. From like what I know, people hated Corbin. Like the media, the the media in in uh, Britain, which you know it's sucks. I guess to put it frankly, like a lot of the media there is very biased and very obviously in the tank for conservative uh, politicians, but. Like, they were unified against him in a way of, like, we, I don't think we see an American. Even with that, he managed to, you know, he didn't win, but he picked up so many more seats than expected. The Conservative Party doesn't have a majority. Like, they're only existing because they're creating a coalition with this very far-right party, and who knows how long that'll hold. Like, he didn't win, but he completely upended the political, like, establishment in that country and it just feels vindicating like that that's possible and that you can do that um and it was because young people voted in numbers exactly supposed to (laughs) like young people vote when you give them something to vote for like i feel like that's what i've i've been saying about asif and i've been saying like when we talk about clinton is that you can win you just need like policies it feels like democrats in america are so afraid to actually just get out there and be like this is what i believe in and like it might raise taxes and it might like create more debt but it's important and people people see that and like they see that authenticity and they see the results it could give them and it like inspires them in a way that means testing and saying go to hillaryclinton.com to see my complete policy proposal don't it you hang on to that one what all right yeah you hang on to the go to hillaryclinton.com thing all right right. yeah (laughs) that's hilarious all right long quick hit but i feel you that you're completely right on that 
Um, Let's see if they Paris know. Paris Climate Accords. Yeah, that was... Um, that's, like, the thing that in Europe, like, people seem to, like, understand the most. Like, it was inter- I was in, uh, I was going to Berlin the day Trump announced that, and, like, the newspapers in Berlin, like, had that on the cover. Um, that seemed like a really big deal internationally. Yeah, people were pissed. I'd just like to say something very quickly. Go for it. Um, on one of our several episodes of this podcast... I said that, like, I gave Jared and Ivanka credit for oh, yeah. fighting <laughs> to protect our country um, and trying to drag Trump to the left. I was wrong. I am sorry. It will not happen again with them. They missed their chance. The point here was to not let this single thing happen, and it happened. We can give people health care back as much as there will be a human toll. We can rewrite the tax code. Yeah. We can switch the Cuba policy. We can fucking flip <clears throat> everything, but we cannot undo the damage that will be done to the planet. Well, it's it's. We only have one of these things. You know, maybe the species survives, but like when the spaceships take off, most of us aren't going to be on them. Like it, I don't know how gently to put it. It's like a, like we're hurting the species. Yeah. It's like it's it's never one of those things that it's really hard to find a positive spin on. I mean, it's cool that like mayors and towns and cities like are standing up. It's cool that Michael Bloomberg paid our like dues for it. Mhm. But yeah, no. Very little positive there. It has been a dark couple weeks actually. It has. I I picked a good couple of weeks to be away, I think. <laughs> On a brighter note, I shouldn't call this brighter, but on a no, silly it's brighter. Note, uh, Sean Spicer got called fat by Steve Bannon, yeah. and I don't really know what to say about uh, the children that work in the White House anymore. The context, um, it seems like our boy Spicy is uh, pretty much done. He's he's getting promoted to a more senior position in the White House, and as a result, they're interviewing people to replace him for the on-camera briefings. Um, I forget which outlet, but someone texted Steve Bannon to ask why this was happening, and Bannon just replied, he got fatter. So. That's... Just, I like, ice. I mean, if um, Steve Bannon, of all people, to call you fat, like, that sucks. <laughs> I hope they send Sean Spicer to Ireland. I feel like he'd be happy there. I think... <laughs> have him be the ambassador... Yeah, that's being talked about, the ambassador to Ireland. How? Like, there's nothing to really do. <laughs> you can just, like, like, really, what are you... Ireland looks like a lovely country. Oh, yeah. I'm actually fascinated. I would love to visit Ireland. But, like, what the fuck do you have to do as ambassador to Ireland? I think you just hang you just out. just drink and hang around and, like, look at the beautiful green landscape. He'd be happy there. It's like taking a dog that's been cooped up in, like, an apartment in the city to a farm or something. Like, he'd have room to run around. It's like when, it's like when you're a kid and the dog dies and your parents tell you, Oh, he's at a field now. He's happy. He's at a field with all the other dogs. That's like sending Sean Spicer to Ireland. You know something? We're already long here. I think that that's a really, really great note to close our return episode on. Ah, we're back. We're back. We are back. Gonna be weekly now. Sorry? 
It's going to be weekly again, every yeah, week. Yeah, this is going to be weekly again. The quality of episodes is going to be better than this one. We were just we got some back segment ideas. Um, we do have segment we're gonna ideas. We're going to read Ben yeah, Sass's we... book, probably. <laughs> might, do, might do a little book club thing. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of exciting stuff going on. Um, thank I want you guys a website. for listening. Um, thank you guys for sticking with us because this podcast in three or four weeks is actually going to be really dope when we're back into the swing of it thank you for joining us for this supersized sad boy episode of Unprecedented I'm Andrew Lemos I'm Tom Bunting have a good night everybody I'm sorry John Ossoff <laughs> me too